Father, we pray that <clears throat> this wouldn't just be a time of the impartation of information. But we pray, Lord, you do a, a powerful work by your spirit in our hearts. Lord, we pray that what's on your heart would truly become more of what is on our hearts in a very real way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was this guy, and he was walking in the jungle. And a lion sees him from a distance and thinks that that looks like a good meal. And so the lion begins to charge him. Well, the guy notices the lion charging him, and he begins to panic. And he's just about to run when he notices some bones lying down by his feet. So he says very loud, loud enough for the charging lion to hear. He says, hmm, that was some good lion meat. Well, the lion abruptly stops and thinks, whoa, this guy seems tougher than he looks. I better leave while I can. So the lion left. Well, up above all this was a monkey. And the monkey witnessed everything. And so evidently the monkey realizes that he can benefit in the situation by telling the lion what really happened and maybe get a favor from the lion in return one day. So the monkey proceeds to tell the lion what really happened, and the lion gets so angry, the lion says to the monkey, get on my back, we'll go and get him together. And so they start rushing this guy, and the guy sees them, and he realizes what has happened, and he starts to run. But then he stops, and he thinks, wait a second, this idea comes to his mind, and he decides to shout something, and he shouts, where the heck is that monkey? I told him to bring me another lion about an hour ago. So the truth is that how you see things can greatly impact the choices that you make. And much of what Jesus taught on the earth was he's trying to get people to see things rightly, get them to understand truth rightly so they could live according to the truth. And one of the places that Jesus does that is in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 15. The verses will also be on the screen, and there's also Bibles in the seat back in front of you. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible and need one, you can keep that Bible that's in the seat back in front of you. Well, let me give you the setting of Luke chapter 15. Jesus was surrounded by a crowd of people. Now, most of the people in that crowd around Jesus were not religious people. In fact, the religious people considered most of that crowd that gathered around Jesus, the religious people of the day considered those people to be really a bunch of losers, morally bankrupt, undesirables, deplorables. But off to the side of this crowd was a huddle of religious leaders who were kind of shaking their heads and, and in muffled tones. They were complaining about the fact that Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, was hanging out with those kind of people. So Jesus actually knew exactly what they were thinking. And Jesus realized that they're not seeing things rightly. They're not seeing things rightly. So he wants to make sure that they can see things 
truthfully and rightly. So he actually kind of moves the procession a little closer to the holy huddle. And he begins to, in forceful tone, tell three very pointed and powerful stories in a row. Three parables back to back to back. By the way, this is the only time in all four gospels that Jesus ever tells three parables in a row. I mean, usually what Jesus would do is he'd perceive some misunderstanding by the people and he would then tell a parable or a story to help kind of straighten out that misunderstanding. And so Jesus would tell this story or this parable, clear something up, and then he would move on until another misunderstanding arose. And then he would tell another parable or another story to straighten out their understanding. But not this time. This time, Jesus doesn't tell one. He doesn't tell two. He tells three in a row because he wants these religious leaders to understand something that they clearly don't understand. He wants them to understand this truth. See, in their mind, these religious leaders in their mind had pretty much determined who they thought mattered to God and who they thought didn't matter to God. And Jesus wants to clear up once and for all in their thinking who it is that matters to God. And so Jesus tells these three parables in Luke 15. It's the entire chapter of Luke 15. And I think in order for us to really get the flavor, I just need to read all three of these parables as Jesus says them. So we're going to read them starting in in Luke 15, verse 1. Now all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But he doesn't even pause very long before he goes right into the next story. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Jesus goes on to say, In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God over one sinner who repents. And again, without pausing, he goes right into the third parable story, verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he had come to his senses, he said, Hmm, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and he came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, what he'd been rehearsing, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts his rehearsed speech. His father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead. And has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. He said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed a fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. But he became angry, and he was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, my child, you've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. So there it is, three stories in a row, all trying to communicate the same point, all three stories trying to clear up the misunderstanding that these religious leaders had. Now, I want you to notice three common threads through these three stories that will help us really grasp what I think the Lord wants to speak to us today. Three common threads. Threads. Thread number one through all three stories is this. Something of great value was missing. Something of great value is missing. 
but a missing sheep was very important to the shepherd. I mean, it represented a significant part of his livelihood. The lost coin was vital to this woman's survival. It's very likely that she's searching by herself because she was a widow. And what was at stake was one-tenth of all she had. The lost son, of course, obviously mattered greatly to the father. So what is Jesus trying to communicate to them and to us? Jesus wants people to know that lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. Even those people who have turned their back on God, even people who have gone their own way, pursued everything but God, even people who have ruined their lives and helped ruin many other lives in their wake, people who have blown it time and time and time again. Jesus wants us to know that those people, whoever comes to mind right now, all those people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they should matter to us. I was talking to a guy this week, and he was telling me some of the horrible things that he had done. He told me he didn't believe that there's any way God wanted a guy like him. And even as he's talking to me, I was thinking of this passage, and I was thinking about how much he mattered to God. And the more I thought about how much he mattered to God, the more it caused him to matter to me. And I had the privilege uh, to lead him uh, to Christ. And he was ready and willing and desiring so much to be received by Christ. Little did he know that the Lord wanted him much more than he wanted the Lord. See, it's so easy for all of us to fall into this mentality that the Pharisee had. You know, this idea that there is some unpublished list of people that don't matter to God. Uh, who's on that list? I think sometimes we just, we, we go by people. We don't even see people sometimes because we're so busy. We have so many places to go. We overlook them. But even if we just notice them for a moment, it doesn't really register oftentimes that they matter to God. That gas station attendant from another country that guy that cuts you off in traffic, the dog that the neighbor has that barks and barks and barks, that obnoxious guy that always seems to sit behind you in sporting events. You know, it's easy for us to get the mentality that there are some people that just don't matter to God. And therefore, they don't matter to me or to you. But the truth is, Jesus wants those religious leaders of that day, and he wants religious people of every day, including us, to realize that they do. All people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. They're important to God, regardless of their background, their ethnicity, their economic status, their gender, you know, how much they've hurt you how much they've offended you. They still matter to God, all of them. 
So that's the first thread that goes through all three stories. Jesus wants people to know that lost people matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us. Now, there's a second thread that goes through these three stories, and that thread is this. That which was missing was important enough to warrant an all-out search to find it. Now, the sheep that got lost mattered so much to the shepherd that he left the 99 and went looking for that sheep, it says, until he found it. And that coin was, mattered so much to the woman that she pretty much tears up her house to find it. All-out search. Now, the son, the story of the father and son is a little different. The father exercised some restraint because he respected the boy's freedom, wanted the boy to learn some lessons. But the father's eyes kept scanning the horizon. And as soon as he saw him coming, he ran to him. See, when you really value something, and we all have lost something valuable one time or another, we find ourselves really in an all-out search till we find it. And Jesus, if you remember, it says, he says he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came on an all-out search for lost people. What's interesting is he then, he then says, and just as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we're supposed to value lost people like God values lost people, and then we're supposed to search for them like Jesus searched for them. So there's supposed to be this all-out search. It's supposed to be a mentality in all of our minds that they matter so much to God, we ought to be doing everything we can do to try to help them come to faith in Christ. We need to do that as a congregation. We need to do that as individuals. That's why if you go to our website and look up at the ministries at gracearlington.com and you see all these ministries and you saw some of them just a few weeks ago at the ministry fair, over 50 ministries, and so many of them have developed because many in our church family caught it from God's heart that lost people matter to him. Ministries like ESL, English as a Second Language, and Jail Ministry, and Night Shelter Ministry, and the Youth Outreaches, and our college coffee house at the Cornerstone, and our Mexico Outreach, and our, all the missions we're doing, and on and on and on and on. So as a church, we, we have caught that. We realize this. But God wants it to also register in each of our lives and hearts individually that, that we need to be on an all-out search for lost people. I want you to just think for a minute. I was wondering this week, I was thinking, what would, what would all of our lives look like if that really was true? What would my life look like? What would your life look like if we were on an, we were on an all-out search for lost people? That we, they really mattered to us, and we were just, I mean, we were just in an abandonment search for finding them. What would our lives look like? What would my life at my workplace look like? What would my life at my school look like? What would my life in my neighborhood look like if I was on an all-out search to find lost people? You know, you heard the announcement that in two weeks we're, we're kicking off this series, our fall series. Every year in fall, we do a six-week series where we ask everybody to track with us, everybody to come Sundays, be in a small group, uh, be part of the, the watching the, the brief video that one of our staff members did in, during those six weeks and be in a discussion. And all of us try to grow together in a certain area. We've done all kinds of different areas over the years. And this year, our fall series is Be a Blessing. How can we be a blessing to our neighbors, to our friends. 
And this fall series is going to be really a great series. The staff has worked so hard putting these videos together for the small groups, putting workbooks together. And it's going to be a series that's going to be, I mean, it's going to communicate a way that we can all be involved. There is a way that all of us can do what we're about to talk about. It's simple and also it's fun and it is very productive. It will really be impactful. And I just want you guys to to realize that that this is going to be something that you don't want to miss. You don't want to say, I'm going to pass on that. In fact, uh, one of the things that we really want to encourage you to do is is even consider being a host. And one of these postcards that you got on the way in, if you didn't, please get one on the way out. It talks about how we we, we need more hosts. It's really our desire, you know, that we're praying right now that we have 100 uh, small groups uh, this fall that would be meeting uh, with a subject. And so being a host is easy. All you have to do today is, 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 say, is walk across the parking lot and Jonathan's going to explain how to do that and give you materials. But all you got to be able to do is turn the video on or, or stream it. And then the, the, the workbooks actually almost lead the discussion by themselves. You just coordinate and be part of it as a host for six weeks. Open up your home, even have a friend that you go in it together. And then invite people. You don't, don't just look for people in church, but invite neighbors and, you know, co-workers, people that you meet during your kids' recreational, whatever it is. You know, so you just look for ways to invite people. Say, hey, for six weeks, we're going to do this series. Why don't you be part of it? And uh, even if you just have a, a few people that will do it with you, it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. But it's going to be something you're going to want to be part of. So I'm urging you to consider being a host. You're thinking, well, I don't see myself as a leader or a teacher. You don't have to be. We're asking, not asking for leaders and teachers. We're just asking for hosts. And it's so easy for everyone to do. So please consider doing that prayerfully. And I want to give you just a taste, a flavor of what some of the videos are going to be like. In fact, we're going to show a clip, the trailer to these videos. And that really gives you a taste, just about two and a half, three minutes long. So let's go ahead and run that clip, if you would. You know, it's God's intention from the very beginning that his people would be a blessing to all the people of the earth. Before we talk to people about God, we want to talk to God about people. You have the opportunity to partner with God. Think about it this way. In prayer, we partner with God to change the future. You're not addressing an imaginary God. You have the attention of the God of the universe. And you must really believe this in order for your prayers to be full of faith. When we listen, we're really giving ourselves to another person. We're giving them our full attention. But I think more than the joy of food, more than the fun of food, I believe that sharing a meal with someone is a spiritual experience. We're Grace Community Church for a reason. We weren't created to live alone and isolated. We were meant to love, serve, and support each other through community. You see, our circumstances shouldn't conceal our faith. Our circumstances should reveal our faith. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit fills us, we are His witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells about what they experience. They tell their story. Humbly just share the difference that following Jesus has made in your life. See, if you will only consider the kind of impact that your story can have on the life of a person, You will forget about the feelings. You'll forget about being articulate in telling your story. You share your direct experience with Jesus, how you met him, what you have heard him, what he has done in your life. That is what is powerful to other people. This is something every one of us can do. 
You don't have to be an extrovert. All you have to be is yourself. Prayers for the ones God puts in our lives do matter. They will make a difference. So when we become good listeners, it will change every conversation we have. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Sharing what they had, uh, praising God, gathering in the temple courts, and sharing meals in their homes led to more people entering the kingdom of God. Jesus set the ultimate example for us. He came to serve, and so should we. That's the example that each and every one of us should be following. My prayer for each and every one of you is that you'll be bold in how you speak about the gospel, not just this next week, but for the rest of your lives. May the Lord give you the courage and the boldness that you need to share your story with others. And may He even now, may the Holy Spirit reveal to you the people that you need to share your story with, people that you need to pray for, people you need to reach out to as you live out your calling as an ambassador of Jesus on the earth. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great fall series. I encourage you to be part of it. Again, we're looking for more hosts. So today, you just think, think about it. I, I, can, you know, I can invite a few people over to my house and, and just walk across the parking lot and talk with Jonathan. He'll get you everything that you need to have to, to be a host. It's going to be great. You know, I think, just think there's something in all of us as, as believers in Christ that we just realize that we were made for something greater than just functioning in life, greater than just going to work, coming home, and vegging in front of the TV. We were made for something greater and there's something that kicks in that we realize, wait a second, the Bible says I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an ambassador of Christ. And, and I'm here on a mission. And, and when that begins to grasp us, we begin to be used more and more by God in this great adventure. I think it's exhilarating to lead someone else to faith in Christ. I, I still remember when I sat beside my brother's bedside back when he was in high school and I was in college and had the opportunity to lead my brother to faith in Christ. It was, it was just an awesome moment, leading my mother to faith in Christ when she was 70. It was her 70th birthday. We're taking a walk around the house after dinner that night, and she stops me, grabs my hands, and says, I'm ready, and be able to lead my mother to faith in Christ. It's exhilarating. It's, it's a, and what a great thing it was when I had a chance to lead my father to faith in Christ right before, right shortly before he died there at 79 years old and been talking to him for 35 years about Jesus, and finally he was broken enough and realized his need enough to be able to turn to Christ as the Savior and Lord. Being able to lead my best friend in college to, to faith in Christ. My teammates on my track team, classmates, friends and neighbors throughout the years, acquaintances, strangers. Every time, it's a significant moment. Last Sunday night, having the privilege to, to lead someone to faith in Christ. These are, just, these, are t- these are things that we're made for. We're made, and all we really need to do is learn some simple ways to do it. And we'll learn that during this series, something everybody can do. You won't even have to be super, you don't have to be an extrovert. You can just be you, and, and it's a simple thing that you can do, learn to do, and you'll be so glad that you did. So our goal this fall is to be a blessing, and we want everybody involved in this series. So please be cons- consider, even if you're not going to be a host, that you're going to be in a group, and there's going to be plenty of groups that you can choose from. Now, there's one more uh, thread that goes through these three stories that I want to point out before we close. And that last thread is this. Retrievals result in rejoicing. The retrievals result 
and re- rejoicing. The shepherd retrieves the sheep, and what does he do? He throws a party. You know, the woman finds his coin that she's looking for, and what does she do? She throws a party. The father, he gets his son back, and he throws the biggest party of all. Luke fifteen ten, Jesus says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I mean, think about your life. Think about your life for a moment. Think about my life. When if you are if you're a sincere follower of Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then something happened when you first made that decision. When you first repented and believed in Christ, something happened in heaven. And it really happened. I mean, there's a party was being thrown when you made that decision. A party was thrown in heaven, and there's a banner that had your name on it. Think about it. I mean, you really were celebrated. It was a celebratory moment when you made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And the thing about it is we get, that, we get the privilege and opportunity to help other people do the same thing. We, get to, we actually get to do something where there's going to be a party in heaven because something happened. And so I urge you guys in two weeks, make sure you're part of this series. It's going to be a blast and it's going to be effective and impact a lot of lives. Don't, don't miss out. Now, as we close, I just want to just mention, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that there's, no, there's not somebody in this room or somebody online who has not yet made that decision to turn to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. And this, this is a great day to do it. This is a great time to do it. Jesus says in the book of Revelation chapter 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him or her. And so if you haven't yet done that, I mean, and you're thinking, you know what? It's time. And what, what, what a greater time than Ryan. This could be the day of your salvation in this room or online. Simply, he's standing at the door and knocking. Just open the door. Just ask him to come in and be your Savior and Lord, and he will. He says, and I will. Not I might, I will. He will come in. So this could be the day of your salvation. And if you make that decision, there's going to be a party in heaven with your name on the banner. So go ahead and make that decision today if you haven't yet made it. And we rejoice with you as well. In fact, if you're going to, if you make that decision simply by saying yes to Jesus, just tell him, just tell him right now he's in the room. And then at the end of the service, there'll be some leaders up front. Just come up and let one of our leaders uh, pray for you. Let's all stand together. And we'll close in prayer. Before I close in prayer, I do want to just say that if this is your you know, first time or if you're just relatively new and you haven't got a chance to meet my wife, Tracy, and me, we're going to be over in this welcome corner. We'd love to meet you. We also have connection corner in the back. Staff answer any questions. And don't forget about crossing the parking lot and talk, talking to Jonathan about becoming a host. And if you have another prayer request, there will be leaders to pray for whatever your prayer request is. Let's pray. Father, you know exactly where everyone is spiritually in this room. You know where everyone is spiritually, it's online right now. Jesus, you said nobody could come to you unless the Father draws them. So, Father, we're asking you to draw people. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that nobody could leave this building or turn off that live stream without knowing you as their Savior and Lord. So we ask you to do the work that only you can do. And, Lord, we pray that all of us would be able to really be involved in this great adventure that you have 
put us on the earth for and really truly be a blessing to those around us. So would you really have your hand upon this fall series and cause it to reap much fruit for Jesus' sake? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day, a great week.